1: Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliot. Today, we are super excited for the man, the myth, the legend,
0: Dean Rogers. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's up, dude? Hey, I'm uh, I'm up bright and early. I got the young kids in the house, and uh, I'm excited to to talk about uh, real estate today, man. That's what I eat and sleep every day.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you for taking you know the time out of your day to actually do this and give out the content and all the value. You've been very successful in your career thus far. You also started off as an NFL charger, which is very, very, uh, it's a different story, which is pretty cool.
0: Totally different.
1: And now now you're doing 100 plus deals per year, correct?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: That's awesome, cool. So for anybody out there that doesn't know your story, do you mind just kind of diving in and letting them know exactly who you are, where you come from? uh, how you got to where you are today?
0: Yeah. So there's been, uh, there's been a lot of life lessons and growing and, and, uh, and stories to get where I'm at today, but kind of take you back, uh, to where, how I got here today. Um, you know, I went to college at UC Davis, um, and was, you know, sports have been my passion since I was little, you know, everybody wants, wants to play sports and, I happen to excel at them and just love them, you know, and still to this day love sports, still play, pick up basketball all the time, just because I love the competition. So a competitive nature is just through and through me and, um, uh, excelled in, I wanted to be a basketball player, but I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> tall enough. Um, you know, you could, there's a lot of excuses I could make, but I excelled at football. So I took that path. Um, and so, uh, Went to college, had a successful career there playing tight end, Uh, was getting scouted, recruited, uh, was looking to get drafted, was talking to a handful of teams. And then um, I didn't get drafted, and it was the year of the lockout, 2011. So literally everything went dark, no more talking to anybody, Uh, was training uh, with some other NFL guys, current and and future, Um, and was just having the time of my life. Uh, Lockout lifted got the call from the Chargers uh, When I was about to head to the mountains and they're like, hey, you got your bags packed You're a San Diego charger. Let's let's do this. So, uh, you know, I was jumping around the house uh, Screaming with my brother-in-law. We were just super excited Uh, my family and uh, My wife were all out of town. Everybody was out of town so it was kind of a trip going to bed by my, myself uh, that night and then doing the trip. So uh, that experience was just like no other. It was everything you dreamt of. Um, the coolest thing was just, you know, being in the locker room with the guys, playing alongside the guys. And it was just like you and me, you know, but everyone's just getting paid a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, Dude,
1: what you guys are passionate about what you guys love. So it's like yeah. fun out there, making money.
0: Yep, Uh, You know, all the different lifestyle stuff you see on TV. I mean, a lot of that stuff is real, you know, first class, this and that, you know, uh, you know, um, driving straight to the plane on the tarmac and having, you know, all these meals and snacks provided. I mean, just everything was just red carpet um, and just everything you wanted, right? Um, The one thing was... I was playing great, felt great, was getting great. You know, the coach, North Turner, loved me. But uh, the thing that sucked is I went from tight end to fullback. And even though they used me athletically, I all of a sudden was a battering ram was my my main position, right? Um, And everything from the neck down felt great, but my head just – it wasn't having it, you know, just pounding my head in and, uh, you know, had a concussion, had a couple in college and it just, it just scared me. Um, thinking to myself, you know, this could, I, I could die early basically. Right. So, um, that really sat in with me. It was the year that they finally started talking about concussions. Junior Sal killed himself that year. You saw a lot of guys messed up. So, all of a sudden everything I'd worked for up until my life to to get to that point, I was there. I had to hang up the cleats, you know? So, uh, I get home, um, feeling, you know, kind of down, uh, figuring out, okay, what am I going to do next? And my life just kind of fell into place from that point forward to where not only just like a month after, uh, calling it quits, I get uh, a call from an alumni from UC Davis. Mm. There's a, a mortgage position in San Francisco. Right. So I go over there, I'm there for three months. Then one of my buddies I played football with, the UC Davis, Ryan Troy, he calls me up. He's like, dude, you gotta check out this tech company. Yeah. I go work for this tech company three months after that. I started working at that other job. Working for a great company. One year late one year later, after working there, I'm working my ass off. My paycheck was way less. I go from, you know, <laughs> getting a three-year contract at $1.2 million, you know, rookie minimum to all of a sudden $65,000 living in San Francisco and a 424 square foot studio paying 2,100 bucks and thinking to myself, I'm like just barely getting by. I have 50 bucks in my bank account at the end of the month. You know, I'm buying food at target on the credit card. Like I'm just getting by. You know, and it's just not cutting it. So I, I had to do something else. Um, and I know a lot of people who have been successful have had similar stories. You know, like they had to figure it out. So I, I, I had had a passion for real estate growing up, and um, but didn't know how to get started. You know, I had you know dreams of like being a an awesome real estate agent and selling all these million dollar houses and. Um, but didn't really know how to get started in real estate. So I, I literally went on Google and I just typed in how to get started in real estate. So I'm sitting in my studio in San Francisco and I come across this guy named Sean Terry. Yeah. Now, do you know Sean Terry? I do. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people got started on Sean Terry cause he's constantly just delivering content and a lot of it's free. Um, he has a podcast. I believe in podcasts. That's why I'm happy to be with you here today because honestly, Sean Terry's free podcast changed my life, uh, forever. Um, he was constantly dropping knowledge and step-by-step instructions, how to get started with little to no money and how to do wholesaling. Okay. So I, I became upset. I literally was freakishly obsessed, you know, waking up at two in the morning to re-listen to the same podcast I listened to earlier and taking notes and, you know, on the way to and from work, listening to the podcast, listening to it while I'm working, like I was just obsessed with it, right? Um, Three months after listening to it, I did my first wholesale deal, made $6,000 to make sure, you know reaffirmed that this is a real thing. And I did it by finding a deal in Sean Terry's market because he's sitting there telling us about his market. Yeah. So I started marketing there, following his steps and I couldn't find a buyer. So I called his acquisitions guy and put a deal together. We co-wholesaled, made 12 grand, we split it. We both made six. And I was like, holy crap, this is real. Yeah. So, in
1: three months too. I mean, that, that's some powerful stuff. Like you, yeah. really, you were obviously really diving into the education part and taking the notes. Like when you, yeah, got taking the notes, it, I truly believe that.
0: Taking the notes and re-listening again to make sure I understood like the, the most finite, finite detail. Um, and the biggest part of it was not only, being obsessed and diving into education, but taking action. If there's, if there's one thing that anybody could take away from this podcast today with you is you just got to take action. Action driven. Um, you gotta be action driven. You're going to fail whether it's big or small.
1: Yeah.
0: Action driven, man. You gotta take action. So, uh, three months did my first deal. And then that, that first year while still working that job, you know, I did about eight to 10 deals. Um, And, you know, I didn't get rich off of it. I made, I think maybe $50,000, $60,000, um, reinvested most of my money back into it to continue to grow it, you know?
1: So a lot of people, and right there, like where you just left it, you know, you reinvested your money, um, to put back into the business. I feel like that's very, very big, very important. Otherwise you're just kind of spinning your own wheels and you're going to be going backwards a little bit. So I highly recommend that. But for, somebody just getting started, like, like $50,000 at the end of the year is pretty successful. Like that's very good for a lot of people. Um, get a couple of deals under their belt and start building that momentum. So what did you do moving forward after that?
0: Yeah. So I think that's the most important part is after you do a couple of deals, like, how do you, how do you take it from there? And it all depends on what you want to do. Right. (laughs) very
1: important. Like figure out your goals, your time, commitment, like everything kind of needs to align, make sure you pull it off.
0: Exactly. And what Sean Terry guided me to do was to write yourself a letter as to what you're going to look like at the end of the year, how many deals you did, what you're doing in your life, um, what you're doing in your business and you start to visualize your success you visualize your future and you see that to the end I mean you got to take the action to get there right yeah, yeah but yeah. if you can visualize and get the right mindset then honestly the only limitation is yourself of course so, so
1: yes what were you gonna say
0: yeah so for me the action the question you asked the actions I took from there starting out was um, I did my first deal made the $6,000 um, I was finding deals from, um, and I'm drawing a blank on what it's called, but I was finding them on online action, uh, auctions. Oh, okay. Um, the government has the FHA loans and whenever those go into default and foreclose, they're sold online, uh, at an auction site.
1: Like the HUD properties, uh, HUD,
0: HUD home store.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome.
0: Cool. Yeah. So you know about it. So I started there. Those were pretty hot at the time. A lot of people were teaching about it uh, in addition to Sean Terry. And so I just followed what he was saying. Um, I was making the offers, found an agent, you know, to make those offers for me because you have to in order to make an offer on those sites. And then, um, you know, I did a couple of deals through there. The next deal, I think I made $7,000 on. And then, you know, um, I did a couple more through the HUD home store making, you know, 5,000, another one, I think 3,000 from there I followed his next instruction, which is to put it into some marketing. Okay. Right. So uh,
1: let's go back for a second just cause I'm, I'm very curious. I haven't heard uh, too many success stories so far yeah. on uh, using the platform online for HUD homes.
0: Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so you go onto the website how many you,
1: offers did you actually have to put in before you typically got your, your yes? Yeah,
0: um, I'd say uh, it was close to about 10 offers okay. to get a deal. Um, uh, there'd be new ones that would come up on a daily or maybe a couple during a week. And everyone that looked like it was in the price point I was looking for and that was uh, needing some work, I put an offer on everyone.
1: Okay. Very good. And then how are you planning on relisting that?
0: Yeah. So I was just planning on wholesaling it. So as part of the HUD home store, you get it under contract and then you have two business days. They don't mess around. You have two business days to print out all the paperwork, sign it, and put a thousand dollar earnest money deposit. Now, the funny thing is, is at the time I had no money. I had to borrow money from my parents I had to borrow a thousand bucks from my parents and and then pay them back from doing the deal I was gonna I was gonna be a thousand bucks out if I I wasn't successful but I took a leap of faith I felt my numbers were were good right so I did that it worked out Uh, but that's the process you have two days to get that contract in the earnest money deposit and then you have 30 days to close so I had a 30-day window to find a buyer on the back end and wholesale that too. Um, and I use the same title and escrow company that Sean Terry was using, who was familiar with this process.
1: Okay. Now, if you couldn't find a buyer, then what, what was your strategy then?
0: If you don't find a buyer, you lose a thousand bucks. And that yeah. happened to me twice.
1: It did. Okay. It did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And yeah. So um, besides that, were you already looking for your buyer's list before you started making these offers?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I was so new to the business that I was trying to do everything at once. Yeah. Um, I had a couple buyers through Craigslist posts. You know, I post looking for buyers or I'd go look at other links for people soliciting that they can buy houses Um, and had maybe 10 buyers at the time within the first couple months. Not a lot. So after I tried them and some were interested but didn't pull the trigger, I had to go to plan B, which is find another investor who I know has been successful, who mm-hmm. does this all the time. Yeah. And that, that led me to kind of the next step in my business, um, which I'll get into in a second. But find someone who's been there and done it. Find someone who's successful and yeah. they can e- accelerate your learning path Accelerate your success. Don't be a hero and try to do it on your own. There's no reason to do that, honestly. Um, so, naturally, just to kind of fast forward a, a little bit from there, after, after I had some success on the HUD home store, I started doing some marketing. So, I did bandit signs yep. and I did direct mail. And I, I did the same thing, listen to Sean Terry. You know, he told you go into listsource.com start building a list based on they've owned the house for 10 plus years. Uh, They have, you know, a certain amount of equity in the home, whether it's high or medium equity. And then you want to look in these zip codes or you want to look in these cities and it starts narrowing on list, list source. It has a ticker. It starts showing like there's a million people. Now it's 300,000. Now it's 20,000. So you can narrow your list down to your budget. And so I got it down to maybe a thousand people started mailing to them. Um, started doing bandit signs. I was out there at 12 at night posting up bandit signs, yeah. afraid that I was going to get caught. You know, I'm just, uh, I
1: just got my bandit signs another day. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So, uh, bandit signs are funny. So you'll, um, so I, I started doing that Brandon and I was calling, every, I mean, you need to be super proactive when you're first starting. You need to like turn the wheel in every, every area. So I was calling, you know, for sale by owners. I was calling, um, uh, property manager signs who has for rent signs out. Like you just need to practice talking to people cause it's, yeah. you're nervous as hell when you're first starting. Yeah. <laughs> Especially me being, you know, young, there's 18 year olds doing this. So age doesn't mean anything. There's also 70 year olds that are crushing it. It doesn't matter what your age is in real estate. No one discriminates as long as you can put the deal together. So I was, you know, 24 nervous about having these, you know, adult real conversations and making offers on houses. And, uh, but I, I did it. I had to just be courageous. I had to pep talk myself and get the courage to make calls and just continuously, do it even though it was uncomfortable. So short story is I'm doing those deals the first year, I get a couple deals through direct mail, uh, I get a couple deals through bandit signs and one of the things that was a turning point after that first year just shortly after the first year was I came across from a property manager for rent sign mm-hmm. uh, another investor and I had wholesaled them a couple deals. And he noticed that I knew how to find deals and I was just, I was hungry. I was so hungry to be successful. I was so driven um, that he just noticed something about me that he was like, Hey, uh, do you want to flip some houses together? I was like, um, Thinking at the time, I didn't really have money to buy a house cash. I didn't have money to put into rehab. So nervously, I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I want to, I want to flip houses." Yeah. But was wondering how it was going to work out. So I told him, "I'm like, hey, look, I, I don't really have money." He's like, "Dude, don't worry. Just keep finding deals, and we'll figure it out." So uh, that that lesson right there is like, learn how you bring value. Yeah. You may be able to find deals. You may know how to manage people. Um, you know have relationships you may have relationships with people with money you may have relationships with people that have deals like find what you're good at at what your value and accelerate that you know grow that that skill or or that area that you're good at so um, so I found my partner and he's like hey deals are kind of slowing up here Um, I flip houses, I forgot to tell you at the opening, I flip houses in Central California. Our home base is Visalia, California. Most people don't know it, a lot of farms and dairies, Um, but that's where I grew up. And so I... uh,
1: Where where about is that? Is that... South of Fresno,
0: like 40 Uh, minutes, an hour north of Bakersfield. And it's just right in the middle of Central Valley where it's hot as hell and the air is not great, you know. Um, so so I grew up I grew up there now the f- interesting part about this Brandon which is another kind of learning lesson for people is um, this whole time I'm still living in San Francisco but I'm doing deals in Arizona Yes. and then I transfer into the next stage to find deals in a familiar place so I started doing marketing and I started doing the band signs in Visalia because I knew the area I knew I was going to be able to talk to the people with confidence, tell my story, listen to their story. Um, so I'm living in San Francisco. I'm doing the marketing. I find my partner. He says, let's do some flips. He said, let's do it. Uh, in Arizona, you're having success there, right? I was like, yeah, that's, let's do it, dude. I, I can do this. So at the time I then move from San Francisco back to San Diego. Okay. So now I'm in San Diego and I still live in San Diego, uh, been here for four years. When we start flipping in Arizona, we're gung ho. We're like, let's just do this. Let's, let's buy, buy, buy. Uh, the market's hot right now. Prices are low. Um, we found some investors or I'm sorry, some, uh, some agents out there to find us some deals and, uh, we were just getting after it. We buy like six houses, seven houses in the first month and, my partner's like, let's let's slow down a little bit. Let's just see how these go. Yeah. The end of that story, a year later, is we lose $100,000 from those seven investments. Just from those seven? Just from those seven. Uh, five of them made money. Two of them lost a ton of money. No kidding. Yeah, so, so let's, let's just jump probably, into that. <laughs> it's probably worth pausing and telling a story there because yeah. uh, the biggest lesson – that I took from that and probably share with everyone else is there is, there's a difference between, um, taking action and being proactive and hustling versus just rushing into it and being stupid. Yeah. So I knew what I was doing with, with wholesaling. Wholesaling is really low risk. Your risk is your marketing, uh, dollars spent. If you spend a bunch on marketing, then you can, if you're not successful, lose that money, of course. Yeah. Um, so you should always start small and scale it slow. Follow your own pace, right? Follow your success. As you get success and get a deal, put a little bit of money back, not all of it. Okay, yeah. that's, that's the advice I would give. With the, with the flipping, you can go buy a house tomorrow. You borrow the money, you borrow it, you don't know what the hell you're doing. And a month, two months, a year later, you find out you blew it your contractor could have screwed you, which he did. Yeah. Um, he did terrible work and was way over budget, uh, walked from a job. I mean, all these different things happened. Uh, our, our values from the agents were over overvalued and we trusted their opinion and we looked at the comps. We weren't blindly looking at it, but this street versus that street was way different. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't know it. So, uh, f- you know, Flash forward from buying those houses, we had some quick success, made some money on a couple of them and there was two big uh, ugly dogs that were just, they were big losers, right? And I just was starting flipping with little money in my bank account and I just lost $100,000. Like that, that is a big blow to your ego, to your momentum, <laughs> to your bank account. like it was not a good place to be in and um, and so I learned a lot from that that period of time and what did it do I could have done two things my uh, my partner bet that hey I'll stick around and I'll still hustle out and be able to you know pay back that investment his assistant thought well he's probably gonna just bail and jump ship because why would he why would he try to you know make that money back well uh, instead of tucking my head between my legs, I, it made me hungrier. Yeah. It made me more desire to just get after it and be aggressive. So that's what I did. I, I got on the phones. I was calling, uh, MLS deals every day. I was calling agents. I was posting bandit signs. I was marketing. Um, I was calling wholesalers. I was going to networking events. I was raising money. That year when we first started, I raised like $7 million from just a couple guys. And all of a sudden now I was funding new deals we were doing yep. instead of my partner. He was still investing his money for the rehab funds because I was negative money, yeah. you know, in our partnership. Um, but from there, we just kept growing it. And instead of quitting, I became more hungry, more desired. So, um, I love that. I think the competitiveness
1: is is something that really sets apart the uh, the people that just give up and, and let yeah. it go uh, and take a loss in comparison to like your mindset, our mindset on how we just keep on moving and yeah. whether we take the, the learning curve and the loss, you know, we keep going. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've heard it from a lot of successful people that every loss don't look at it as a loss. Learn as a, you know, a learning lesson. or you paid for yeah. for an expensive course? Yeah, yeah. Um, The reality is, is it's true. If you really do take the time to look at it and not dwell on it, but move okay. forward, um, then you'll you'll see that you can overcome that a lot easier. Um, and I know people that a lot of it is due to the the market. Uh, when it crashed, but a lot of people have had huge successful businesses to crashing and losing millions of dollars and being oh, yeah. in the hole and, you know, digging their selves back out because of determination and having a bigger business now. So, um, the grand scheme of things, it's, it's a, it was a small amount of money for me, but at the time it was huge, you know? Yeah.
1: No, of course. At the end of the day, it, it is, uh, especially with the situation that you're at, You know at the time it's definitely it's a decent amount of money but it is just a number so once you look past it and and keep it moving and uh, I think it's awesome I mean you raise a ton of money as far as your buyers list I know you said in the past about 10 buyers at the time what uh, what did that actually do you think a buyers list of 10 is um, something that's that's needed I know a lot of people kind of stick with just a few strong, uh, solid buyers on a regular basis.
0: That's really true. I mean, usually most wholesalers have in their back pocket, you know, a couple like two, three, maybe even five go to buyers that they know are regularly doing deals. They'll, this guy will buy anything. This guy will buy this type of deal. Um, and that's, that's how I started in wholesaling. Um, instead of focusing on continuing to grow my buyers list, which I encourage you, you you really should, because it it increases the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But I focused on those couple buyers, they continue to feed me with information and feedback on what I could look for and educate myself on. Um, And so that was, that was critical for me and my growth. Um, I think a good a good moment to, would be to pause right now and Brandon, focus on maybe one of the things besides, besides the, the biggest learning lesson so far, which is just not to rush yeah. to do your first deal. Be smart, get properly educated, follow someone who's been there and done it and smart. But I think a, a, key, um, a key area for people to become more educated on is understanding what a deal even looks like.
1: Of course.
0: Because when I first started, I was so nervous about how escrow works. I was so nervous. Like, how do I know if this is a deal? I I got this offer in or I want to make an offer, but here's this property with some pictures. Like, how do I even place an offer? I don't know what to offer. Um, So, I I took some notes for what, which is a, a simple formula and I use it. I use it every time, but I also have graduated a couple years back into just using a spreadsheet and it's our deal analyzer. And I've I've re you know, through my own experiences and partnership, but also continuing my education, I've joined an organization called Fortune Builders. Yeah. And they they're an education company. There's tons of A players in there, a lot of new people, tons of learning from each other and systems that you can you can adopt so um, so I've used those in my own business so an easy formula Brandon for people just getting started out if you want to know what a good deal looks like uh, you first need to understand how to find the comps Mm -hmm. right comparable properties because ultimately that's what you're comparing it to so do you have Um,
1: any uh, recommendations for people to to be able to run the comps themselves
0: Yep. So I still to this day, uh, the the best way, the best tool is the MLS, right? The multiple listing service, which is in every market, Mm -hmm. whether it's county based or city based. And uh, you can go in there and access it if you're an agent, or if you get an assistant uh, rights from an agent, you get basically enough access to be able to do all the same things they can without being able to post, you know, listings.
1: So many agents don't actually know about that.
0: They, they don't.
1: Uh, I, I've educated a lot of people on exactly that to be able to get that additional access. Uh, yeah. MLS. So it's and of it's important because
0: it gives you the most, the most real time information. Um, it's not as quick. Like you can't just, you know, knock it out in, in 10 seconds and get an idea what the, uh, uh, the value is going to be. It may take you, you know, five, 10 minutes to get a value, but it's, it's the best way to do it. Now, the way I still do it today for I'm on the phone with an agent or a wholesaler or a homeowner, and I want to just be quick and I want to be on the phone taking notes while at the same time, looking at value so I can have an educated conversation is I'll pull up Zillow or I'll pull up Redfin now I don't I, I moderately care what the Zestimate is yeah. or the Redfin estimate because they may be looking at that so that's important for you to know yeah. the homeowner or the wholesaler or the agent or the attorney or whoever it is everyone is looking at the estimate your lenders are looking at the estimate cuz they'll tell me themselves, "Oh, well Zillow thinks it's worth this, so I it's probably a good deal." I'm like, "Uh, ah, you shouldn't really think, you know, you really shouldn't put a lot of value yeah. into the the Zestimate, but
1: FYI just for disclosure reasons, don't ever 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 go off the Zestimate. I've been screwed over personally just uh, thinking that some of my properties in the very beginning when I started off would be close to that Zestimate. That is not yeah. accurate. Like he said, go after the the MLS. That's that's where you'll get your actual comps. Yeah,
0: and and Zillow, I mean, the zestimate is a rough number to give you a rough idea, um, but you should not bet or invest based on a zestimate whatsoever. Uh, you're going to wind up in trouble. And I'm so, sure
1: certain areas might be a little bit uh, more accurate than others. Yeah, for
0: sure. And I'll find that they they can be really accurate sometimes. Yeah. If the comps yeah. are really solid, the more accurate the zestimate is. For sure. Um, but that being said, uh, be aware of it. Be yeah. able to have a conversation. I always say, hey, look, you know what? Zillow is a great tool. It's a good resource to give you just a ballpark idea. But hey, Mr. Seller, Mr. Wholesaler, Mr. Agent, I uh, just want you to know that it's just a formula. Some yeah. smart guy put together a formula. And hey, guess what? It's looking at what are the top solds in that neighborhood. It doesn't really know the value of your house other than you know the size and square footage it doesn't know the condition of your home so it doesn't have has no ability to really put a true value on your home so I'm going to walk you through and explain the value of your home based on its condition based on what you've shared with me and uh, I'm going to share all the same information that I'm looking at so you can make the best decision for you for sure. um, so anyways I'll pull up Zillow or pull up Redfin I'll plug in the address. I'll look at the solds. Now, if you're just getting started, comparable properties or comps, hardest thing to determine an ARV after repair value is just finding like properties. Now, in some markets or some neighborhoods, it's like, oh, that's the same exact house yeah. right there. Some of times they're not, whether the square footage is larger or not, but a very simple thing to apply, which I learned from Sean Terry is find three comparable properties that are plus or minus 250 square feet that are the same type of home bed and bath. So if you got a three bedroom, two bath and it's 1500 square feet, try to find in that neighborhood, that little neighborhood, three other properties that have sold. doesn't matter if they're listed because you could list it at a million bucks and it's only worth 50,000. Yeah. Uh, find solds, that were plus or minus 250 square feet that are similar condition Mm -hmm. and and ideally you find a house that's already been remodeled or updated or really nice because ideally you're trying to increase the value of that home yeah so you want to know what the potential is if you're looking at the home trying to buy it for a hundred and you see in the neighborhood that oh the house that's really fixed up new floors new kitchen bathrooms it's it sold for two hundred. Well, now you have a really good uh, gauge of what you could potentially sell that house for.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's good.
0: So you start there for the comps. Now, now you've determined what your ARV is, yep. your after repair value. Your comps support it. So I got a value. Let's just use simple math. Let's say your ARV is a hundred thousand. Okay. Now I always for a simple formula, I'll just say the formula. Now it's ARV minus 10% the 10% is basically all your selling fees for your realtor your closing costs it also includes like taxes and insurance your yep. uh, Your holding costs because most people are gonna finance their deals borrow other people's money um, 10% should really cover all of those costs your costs for the project okay. um, so let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar ARV 10% is 10 grand so now you're at 90,000 just do you think that could fluctuate like uh, I guess nationwide
1: maybe certain areas
0: it could Uh, a lot of people I've spoken to in other markets though, are using similar formulas yeah okay Um, so and and that's why you should always have a spreadsheet that details everything out what your typical closing costs are what you what you're paying for realtor fees Um, what your taxes and insurance are so that you've got everything detailed out down to the penny. Yeah. But just, this is for rough numbers, you know, for
1: sure. And for anybody out there, like that doesn't know how to get some of those things like, uh, taxes and insurance, um, what the, what the title closing cost would be, stuff like that. You can always request quotes. I've done that several times for any of my properties. That's the first thing I do. I, 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 uh, I, check out what the quote's going to be for insurance. And then I set that up, um, moving forward right away. So it's very easy to get those things and start putting that into your, your Excel or your spreadsheet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so once, once you have the ARV take 10% right off the top, uh, in this example, you're at 90,000 after your selling costs. Uh, then you subtract what are your, Cost to repair or rehab the property, mm-hmm. so your rehab costs, okay? Uh, in my market, just for a rough, rough number, we're spending anywhere from twenty-five to $30,000 for a full remodel, which is kitchen, bathroom, floors, paint inside and out, not including an, an AC, not including, you know, a new roof, just your straightforward cosmetic fixer, okay? Yeah. So for, for my formula, let's say it's $30,000, you go from 90 down to 60 and that's your break even number. You're making $0 if you bought it at 60, repaired it, rehabbed it, you sold it, all your selling costs, you're making $0 at 60. Now, now you need to calculate what your profit is. If that's a percentage that you're looking for or a dollar amount, let's just say it's a dollar amount. You want to make $30,000. Okay. So you subtract 30,000 from there. Now you're at $30,000 purchase price in order to make $30,000. Everything goes according to plan. Um, if you're a wholesaler and you're using this same formula and you have an idea what someone is willing to buy the house and make in profit, let's say they're, they know other buyers that are willing to make $20,000. Yeah. Okay. Or they know Let's just say it's $30,000 is the minimum someone wants to make in that given market. We're still using the same formula, the same numbers. And let's say that wholesaler wants to make $10,000. They subtract 10,000 then from that number. Now they would have to get it under contract for $20,000 in order to wholesale it, make 10, that investor fixed it up and they make 30.
1: So basically running these numbers, you'll, be able to understand exactly your offer price and a price that you can't actually, that you shouldn't go above. So maybe maybe even start a little bit, you know, when it comes down to negotiating, um, start a little bit below or just go right to the the punch and be like, after running my numbers, um, this is exactly what I can offer. I can't offer any more than that. And then, you know,
0: uh, yeah, that's a good point. There's, there's a lot of uh, like sales strategies or negotiation yeah. strategies and that's, we could spend, you know, three podcasts talking about yeah, yeah. that. Um, but I learned a lot of my negotiation tactics from guess who Sean Terry, cause he has a podcast that goes into specifically like here's the, the 15 to 20 top, uh, um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like tactics. Yeah. Well, like the things that people are going to push back on you for. And I think I have like a note here. Let's see. Um,
1: Objections.
0: Oh, handling objections. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So people are going to have objections to all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, in, in many different ways and being able to handle that is critical to be able to move the conversation along and, uh, and get a deal
1: also as you start building momentum and you're you're making a bunch of offers or you're dealing with the the seller 101 definitely write down how the the meeting went and figure out if you're getting new objections or if you keep on seeing the same one then this is something that you can take home later and really start you know figuring out some strategies to to be able to better yourself and move forward
0: absolutely yeah i'm always constant i'm constantly changing the way that I communicate to whomever I'm talking to, sure. again, agent, wholesaler, uh, homeowner, attorney, whoever it is, banker, lender, based on previous conversations, I'm constantly adapting and molding based on an objection or, or a way they responded to the way I said something. Yeah. Um, I'll adjust the way that I, I communicate. So. Um, so that's a simple formula, ARV minus 10% minus the repair costs minus your profit, whether it's a percent or dollar amount, dollar amount minus your wholesale fee. That is the contract price that you need to get mm. that house or property in our contract.
1: I love it. Thank you yep. so much. I mean, that's so much value right there for so many people. A lot of people are reaching out to me on a daily basis asking me, you know, does this deal make sense or is this okay? And then I ask them, you know, uh, certain things that you're mentioning and they're just clueless. So yeah. this right here is definitely value. You know, And I
0: started out clueless too. Yeah. We all did. Yeah. So take take this formula, yeah. go practice it. Yep. Go look at a random house that's sold even or is listed or it doesn't matter. Just go find a house, go go look at, go plug it into Zillow or Redfin or something that's free and easily accessible and then look at the sold properties on their little map. You can look on the map how close it is to your uh, subject property and then you can determine your own value and what you would offer based on that formula. Um, and you have to practice it. It's a refined tool. I mean, I come across ones that will stump me still to this day where I'm like, uh, it's kind of hard, but you need to be able to get close so you can determine what kind of ballpark you're in, you know?
1: So I I guess, um, kind of jumping out of this a little bit, how, how you found your partner? Are you guys still partners today?
0: We are. Yeah.
1: And how, how do you make that relationship work?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so from the day we met, we just naturally, uh, we worked so well together. We complimented each other. Well, I knew how to find deals. I was super hungry. Uh, he, he was starting to, he had been in the business for 10 years at the time. He's, he's young. Uh, he's a young entrepreneur himself to this day. I'm 30 and he's 35. Um, But he was starting to feel like a fat cat. He just went through the market. It was real low. He was buying all these properties. It was so easy to find discounted houses. He was wanting to do something new, kind of getting lazy from his words. So I kind of reinvigorated him, got him excited again, uh, according to what he said. And um, he was good at the, the construction, the project side. He knew how to handle that. I had no idea. Okay. So we complimented each other well there. Uh, he's also really good at finding deals. So naturally, we just kept moving on a path, a trajectory of doing more deals, right? And I've I've moved through different phases and, and I'll share them right now. Um, first is just doing deals, right? I, I wanted to do a deal. I did my first and just started building it from there. Uh, the next was doing more deals. Like I, w- I need more. I want to yeah. do more. I want to grow this. Yeah. So that was the path once I found my partner. We lost our ass or I lost my ass in Arizona. <laughs> a lot of uh,
1: learning curves.
0: <laughs> Learned a lot there. Um, you know, really challenged my determination and my willingness to push forward. So I, I personally had a lot of growth through that. Of course. Growing, growing, growing. We're doing more deals. Uh, the first year we did maybe uh, 20. Uh, the next year we're, we did in the mid 30s. Um, we're, I'm now three years in the business, two years with the partnership. The year after that, we did mid 40s, and then we took a churning point. Um, it's been almost two years ago now, to where, and we're still just a small team—him, myself, and his assistant. Okay, and he's got crews that he's that's managing. It? That's it. Wow. And we're doing that many deals. We're hustling. We're grinding. Yeah, I was okay. Say, that's- <laughs> uh, and so we we had a turning point where I just said, you know what? I got this feeling. You know, we were buying houses at the auction. We were getting houses off the MLS. We were doing some marketing. We were doing band signs. We were getting deals from wholesalers. We were doing all the things we were supposed to be doing. But I had this feeling like, uh, we need to do something else. And so auctions coincidentally just started to dry up. And I just went all in with just every marketing channel whether it was wholesalers whether it was the, uh, the MLS direct mail ban- everything I just said and I just got done reading 10x at the time um, uh, from Grant Cardone I, I, I did just that I went all in and in every channel for getting leads getting deals I just doubled and tripled it and from there we had explosive growth in deals. I mean, the very first month we went from doing, you know, three, four deals a month to doing 12 in that very first month. So I saw immediate real results and it, it just, it just kept going and going. And like, I remember just at the end of the day and some, some weeks, my body would just be like shaking. Cause I just felt like this, this force going through me that like, nothing could stop us. It almost felt like it was, uh, that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, the Wolf of wall street, Even yeah. though it's not like we're, we were making hand over fist or anything, but it, it, we felt alive, you know, we yeah. felt excited about the business. We were growing it. And, uh, so we were on fire and the, the path has continued that way, but we've shifted. Um, in the past six months, we really realized like, Hey, we're, we're hustling and grinding. Like we need to do something different. We need to free up more of our time. For, to be more strategic. So in the past three months, we've hired three people. We hired a full-time office manager. We've hired a full-time project manager. So and, and we hired a full-time acquisitions manager who was a wholesaler in our market who we were buying deals from. So he's been there, done it, knew how to do it. Um, so we, we grew our team past six months, we've grown our team. So now we're moving into another phase of our business, which is improving our systems, improving our processes and running an actual business rather than just working our asses off in a high paid job. Um, and so that's been really fun, new, challenging for me. Uh, and I would say if you're starting out, you're, you're starting to have some success, you're looking for that next thing. Um, if you're wholesaling or you're flipping houses, I think your next hire is either an acquisitions manager or an office manager because in this business, there's so many moving parts. You need someone to help you organize all the chaos. Yeah. Um, So true. That's so so important. And that's one of the things in my, our partnership that I bring to the table is organization and systems. Uh I, I really enjoy that aspect. Um, I've been doing the accounting and the, the bookkeeping for our business. We, I forgot to mention within the past six months, we also hired a bookkeeper and that's been tremendously helpful. So um, I think your first hire is an acquisitions manager because you need more deals yes. or an office manager to help free up more of your time, whether that's, you know, preparing what you're doing for the week or the month. And what you're doing to bring more needs or deals in, or whether that's just organizing the contracts or organizing the paperwork or organizing, you know, if you're doing flips, uh, your, your schedule with the contractors, your payments, you're paying your bills, all that stuff.
1: No, I agree. And I think, um, I think that's such a, that's such a smart move that you guys are really focusing on building the systems a little bit, uh, stronger and adding more people onto the team, building that team up. So instead of just going like gun-ho after seeing the strong results with, um, you know, what you guys can produce every single month now. So that's very good. So now once your team is solidified and very built, all the systems are in place, then it's really sky's the limit. So like you guys yeah. can put this, you can go very hard on exactly all the marketing and then you can really just start growing it even more, which is awesome.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We, we can now scale our business. It's scalable cause we have uh, delegated different tasks. Yeah. Um, and of course with that comes challenges. You have to learn how to now communicate differently. Um, naturally you, as an entrepreneur, most people want to do things themselves. So it's really hard to let go. Yeah. Um, and it, it was for me, but once you get to that place, um, I mean, it just changes everything. It, you put more responsibility. Now, sure. The first hire you make might not be the perfect fit and you might have to hire many people to find the right. And even once you find the right person, they may only be there so long. So that's, that's an ever evolving uh, thing within any business. But once you learn the system
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and put together a system into hiring someone and training them, um, and, I'm not saying like I have that all figured out because I don't, you know, um, it takes but some time, right? <laughs> it, it takes some time. And that's, that's the phase we've moved into. So we've built the team. Now it's improving the systems and improving the communication and how we collaborate together. We have weekly team meetings to go over all of our projects that are in escrow to buy, that are in progress of being rehabbed, that are on the market and listed, that are, pending uh to sell and what is sold what do we need to close out from an accounting standpoint all that kind of stuff so um those those are those type of things to put in place whether it's just with yourself or your first hire are critical to you know stay um stay in sync and and be working effectively together
1: yeah and it's kind of it's like a whole new role because you're really shifting more into that leader aspect and really guiding somebody, learning how to you know, um, just manage them and, and getting them to follow what your passion is, you know, what you, your vision is, painting the vision into them and making sure that they are a part of the team. Something that my, my friend Cole Hatter, I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. Yeah. As, as he's in uh, Forging Builders. Um, he recommended me on, I had him on the podcast in an earlier episode. He ended up mentioning when you're building your team, uh, instead of like teaching a bunch of people as they quit or fall off in a couple of years, whatever it may be to record it. And then when you record you teaching somebody, then you can actually, yep. you know, you do it once and you just have new hires, watch yep. the video. And then if they have any questions, then, uh, then they can kind of jump in and ask you then.
0: Totally. So I know that, but I haven't implemented it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's right? why I'm just, you know, like we no, that, know
0: no. so many different things. So. I know. I love it. Uh, it just, I mean, uh, that's, that's such a good, uh, a good lesson, Brandon, to teach people is if you want to improve the way that you're doing things, that you, as you're bringing people on, educate, uh, that is honestly the best way to do it. So that's yeah. such good advice. I still haven't done it. I know it. I'm smart enough to know it, but I'm I'm too stupid to have implemented it yet.
1: No, no, um, you're gonna take action on it. You're action driven, buddy. You're action driven. I already know you oh, will. That's right. But uh that's right. But, we had yeah.
0: we had a couple of people said hello. We had uh we had Adam Glassman. Uh yeah. he said hello, he's a buddy of mine from New York. That's right. Um he said I learned everything from him from Fortune Builders. That's what yeah. he said. <laughs> uh What's up loopy? Good to see you. Um, we got Alan in the house. Alan is our acquisitions guy. He's the guy that we hired on Okay. and uh, and he's hungry. He's hungry yeah. for deals. He's got a newborn in the house too. So yes. he's hungry for deals too.
1: That's what's up. I love it. So I, I do want to talk about uh, what your future looks like and what your vision is, what you have kind of planned moving forward. But um, I want to jump back just for a second and, and, uh, and talk more, a little personal, if you don't mind, um, about yeah. the budgeting and, you know, what kind of funds it took to, you know, go from your few deals per month to up to 12. Um, yeah. I know you said it in the beginning, you know, somebody just getting started, you know, like pace yourself. And I, I highly oh, yeah. recommend that as well. You know, figure out what's working and then slowly start um, 100%. increasing that. But yours, like you said, you know, that's exactly what you guys did and then once you put all all the funds right towards those marketing avenues it really it showed the results right away so yeah. if, if you don't mind what did you start off with I guess and um, what did you increase it to and in what avenues
0: yeah I love the topic of budgeting because that's where my head is at every day like okay. seeing money come in see money go out like on a regular basis weekly I'm I'm Crunching my numbers to forecast and figure out, like, okay, how much money are we gonna have at this point? Are we gonna have enough money? or, you know, we're gonna have a surplus of money? What are we gonna do with it? So, there's it's a constant thing to figure out in this business. Um, I'm a big but, budget guy, too. I'm really okay, cool my numbers. <laughs> yeah, so when I first got started, I didn't know anything about accounting, I just knew I needed to spend some money. I had to teach myself accounting, like, I went online taught myself some accounting, got some help from an accountant from Fortune Builders yeah. who was gracious enough to give her time. So I learned the accounting part. But when it comes to budgeting itself is its own animal, um, you need to pace yourself. When I first started, I was doing those HUD home uh, store, com, And there was no dollars spent to make an offer. But as yeah. soon as you got it under contract, it was a thousand bucks. And for a lot of people, just starting out, not knowing what they're doing, if you get five of those under contract at once, that's 5000 bucks. That's a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so for me, I had to borrow that money, all right? So I had to borrow it. I was successful, fortunately, to be able to pay them back, make my own money. Um, and then once I had a little pot of money, okay, about 10000 bucks, I then, Sean Terry's advice was take 15% of that and put it back into your marketing budget Mm -hmm. so I took about 1500 bucks and I put it towards bandit signs which I spent about 500 bucks on and I spent about a thousand bucks on direct mail and I tested it out I did absentee owners with direct mail with high equity uh, and then um, had some results I think I got one deal off of that and I made 10,000 bucks so I was pretty stoked. the next marketing campaign I think it was just a follow-up so for those of you that aren't familiar with let's say just direct mail yeah uh, you have to do follow up if you just mail once and you send out 500 postcards or 500 letters just as a picking a random number the chances of you getting a deal from that very first touch is possible but not likely or guaranteed yeah. You may have to mail to that same list of the same people five to seven times, yeah. and everyone, there's like a, an exact uh, you know formula that someone figured out, but it, it is somewhere between five to seven times yeah. to fully vet out that list of people. Um, so uh, I would recommend that you pick a small list that fits in your budget. If you've got a thousand bucks, maybe you you mail to a hundred people. And a postcard may cost you anywhere from forty to fifty cents, okay? Depending upon you know, the more you do, the more of a discount you get. We yeah. get it from thirty-five to thirty-nine cents. Um,
1: what what company
0: do you use? So there's two companies we've used in the past. We've used YellowLetters.com,
1: yeah,
0: um, and we've also used Go big Printing. Um, we use Go big Printing right now. They're a really good company. Uh, Andy Detweiler is one of the owners over there and, um, uh, I'd gotten turned on to him by another investor. Uh, and so built the relationship, built out exactly what we needed and wanted and they're pretty automated over there. So it's really convenient. Uh, yellow letters is also really automated. You could go in right now and configure it all in their system. Just like go big printing, uh, really, really simple to do. Um, so, uh, start with a small list and follow up with them five, five to seven times. Um, change up the postcard or the, the letter maybe a couple times. Yeah. Um, cause it shouldn't, I mean, it could be the same one. There's a lot of theory behind all that too, but just start out with something simple. Um, it's not too in your face when it comes to postcards. I particularly don't like the urgency, like last warning, or urgent to this some people it works for some people it really turns off I just
1: yeah, I, I think it comes off uh, more like kind of deceiving like you're, you're yeah and you're getting their attention in a negative way
0: you're trying to trick them into something yeah, and that's
1: not good that's not yeah. a good way to start a relationship
0: <laughs> exactly yeah that's important um, and then so that that's just it start with what's reasonable in your budget and then pace yourself if you get a deal from there and guess what hey your first deal where you actually make money might not be from the campaign that you did whether it's bandit signs whether it's uh, direct mail um, whether it's Facebook ads or something with social media Uh, there's there's many different avenues pick one to start with yeah and start there in some markets bandit signs they crush it. They're, they're very successful. Uh, some, they you don't have a chance. Like, there's you're not going to get a deal from it. So, understand your market. Maybe look around town. Um, I know Phoenix, Arizona at the time, Bandit Signs were crushing it. Uh, I didn't put any there. Did, did the HUD home store. Um, in my market, Bandit Signs were kind of working. So, I would do them. Um, direct mail was kind of working. So, I would do it. And then all the other areas for me in my market, it's not just one thing. If I do just one thing, I'm, I'm going to do okay, yeah. but not at the scale I want. I have to hit every single channel to be at the scale to where we're at now. For sure. Um, Someone just starting out, start in one area. If it's market, direct mail marketing, um, pick a postcard because it's cheapest. Uh, or if it's a very concentrated specific list like probates, or inherited properties, or, you know, tax defaults, you may do a letter, because it's maybe more of a better open rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we, we could go into, you know, a ton of time talking about all that, too. Yeah. But uh, I would say, to your point, start small, and then scale it. If you're ma- doing a couple deals, and you've made 3000 bucks, 5000 bucks, put 1500 back into it, and keep feeding it, but don't get discouraged if you don't get a deal out of it. It is totally possible. And to reiterate it one more time, don't take that $1,500 and think that's your budget for just mailing one time. Don't send out, you know, whatever the number is, 750, 800 postcards and blow all your budget on one campaign or yeah. one, one drop. Yeah, You want to mail them several times. So make sure it's a smaller list, like a couple hundred people yep. and mail them several times
1: yeah if your if your budget is only a thousand bucks, I would highly recommend to stay within like a two hundred dollar range maybe a little less or somewhere around there and and be able to market off you know however much you can get off that list and constantly just be pushing it out there because it's all about the touches you you gotta um constantly be in their face and it's also timing has a lot to do with it you know when yep. they're ready they might. Absolutely. They're, they're going to save all these cards that they get. Whoever piles up the most, they constantly see your name. That might be beneficial as well as, you know, I have a lot of people here in San Diego that are crushing it and they tell me it's simply answering their phone. Yes. So many people, you know. So glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, people, the the homeowners, they're going through this distressed uh, period of time in their life and uh, when they are ready to sell or get some offers, then they're going to, they're going to start making these calls and you need to pick up your phone right away and, and deal with the situation at hand.
0: Okay. So that is such an important piece and I'm going to build on that because the next most important piece, and I was just talking about it with Alon, my acquisitions guy who still might be on, uh, is that not only is it important to pick up the phone, but if you have a campaign going, And you're getting let's say a lot of calls everyone's interested in selling by chance yeah don't make your call short with whoever you're talking to just so you can talk to the next person yeah and that's a tough thing to do because you want to answer every phone call you're so anxious to get a deal you're so anxious to get every call but I promise you when I talk with a homeowner every time that it's the potential to be a deal. I'm I'm talking 30 minutes to an hour with that person, the very first time I talk with them. Yeah. Um, and sure there's times where it's 5 minutes I still get a deal. There's times where it's, you know, somewhere else in between there. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of the time I look at the phone call and I'm like, holy smokes, I've been talking to this person for 45 minutes. I know about their family. Yeah. I know what their likes and dislikes are. I know what their situation is and why they want to sell and I'm communicating how i can help them
1: yeah see that's that's like the secret ingredients here because so many people might not think that's what you have to do if you're a very introvert or whatever it is like you got to cancel that out of your life because (laughs) because the end of the day it's like you need to be comfortable speaking with these people over the phone and understand it's going to take some time for them to get to know like and trust you yes you know they're not going to sell you their property. If you're quick on the phone or if they have any type of confusions or thinking anything negative whatsoever, they need to know you. You need to talk family with them. You need to figure out what their problem is at hand and be able to solve their problems. You have to be like their solution. So it's very important.
0: That's that's huge. So the one skill that I've probably developed the most and I've had to out of necessity, um, is communication. Yeah. And the, the funny thing, the, the most interesting thing about what I'm doing now in real estate is the fact that where, where I live and how I conduct business and who I conduct business with yeah. is, is essentially 100% virtual. I'm sitting in my, my uh, guest room right now which is also my, my home office and the deals I do, the people I interact with on a daily basis, whether it's lenders, wholesalers, agents, Homeowners, none of them are in close proximity to me. It's it's a, a hour plus flight or six hour drive just to go meet with one of those people. And I do visit, you know, periodically, but mostly it's virtual. And I'm I've been highly effective at it just by being able to communicate. And so the homeowner I'm talking okay. to, um, I'm communicating and making them feel comfortable, and then I'm organizing. A, uh, an appointment with my partner my partner's gonna meet you there he's the yeah. construction guy he's who you want there alright he's the expert he's gonna call me we're gonna figure out what we can offer you uh, the wholesaler who calls me they're gonna call me and I have to communicate like hey let's let's win together alright um, let's figure let me help you do better at your uh, your business and growing your business and and that's one of the things you touched on wholesalers before you get a lot of people reaching out to you i'm i'm constantly talking with new wholesalers or people getting started because there's a, my partner did the same to me i was new he yep. gave me a chance he saw i was hungry when i see a hungry person i want to i want to you know fuel that fire of course core value into them yeah core value into them uh, educate them let them know what i'm doing in the business what's yep. working what's not And then they're gonna in return call me when they have a deal and how it works out is a lot of these wholesalers they call me before they even have a contract and we're talking about prices I'm telling them what numbers I'm seeing they're showing me theirs and we're we're working together and mutually benefiting and it's it's a beautiful thing So, so being able being able to communicate and make them feel comfortable whether it's a homeowner or wholesaler uh, is is critical.
1: Yeah, God, I feel like there there's so much great value on this. I'm definitely definitely going to have to get you back on here to to pour in some more value, and we're just going to have to go a little bit deeper into everything. Um, no doubt. As, as we wrap this up, I definitely want to hear you know where where your vision is. You know, what do you what kind of goals do you have moving forward and yeah. yourself? Uh, but really quickly, just for my personal, uh, I'm curious. How much money were you putting behind some of your marketing once you were actually hitting those big uh, goals of like 12?
0: Sure. Sure. And, and granted it's, it wasn't all in just one channel. You know, Banner signs is one channel, direct mail is one channel. Uh, Let me look at some other ones that we've paid dollars towards. Um, You know, the internet, there's tons of marketing you do on there with building out websites and SEO. Yeah.
1: Just, just like roughly though. social
0: media. We're doing social media now.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, so like roughly, um, a dollar amount or
0: something. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, so we started out scaling it slowly. We we're spending about thousand to 2000 in our early days, getting a little bit of traction, some deals here and there. Yeah. Um, then we decided let's, let's scale it a little bit more. Let's spend, you know, four or 5,000. And then I just said, "Screw it! Let's spend fifteen thousand yeah. dollars." And then you know the hood just blew right off the car, and we just blew it out from there. So I love it. That's kind of I, I just felt it that we needed to do it. We did it, and it worked. Um, yeah. But it was feeling. <laughs> I had that gut feeling. Yeah. But but again, just to make sure no one takes that as they should do it too. Yeah. If you've got a bunch of money, don't go spend fifteen thousand. Start slow. (laughs) you're not gonna know what to do with all the calls or all the leads that are coming through You know your website or whatever your channels are. Yeah Um, You're not gonna be ready for it. So start slow. Yeah,
1: start slow build the momentum and start going from there If you do have a bunch of money saved up don't put it towards that put it towards education instead Yes you know there there's tons of free education out there anything you need in the world it's all out there for free for the most part um so you can do that way it does take a lot longer you know hiring somebody that's already been there and done it cuts your learning curve tremendously in half uh if not yes. even more and can really you know help you in your particular niche that you have at hand which is very important so um cool so
0: where where do you see yourself in the next few years yeah so to take a step back in my journey and I left this out cause it, it didn't seem like it was the right time to tell it, but I want to tell it just for the fact of another don't give up story. Yeah. Because although I don't tell it to everybody, it's worth mentioning for everybody that thinks like, Oh, he had a hiccup at the beginning. Let's just keep, you know, this, I'm not going to make the same mistake. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy from there. In this business who you trust and who you surround yourself with, is just as important as making smart decisions. Of course. That's in any business, but in real estate, it's it's like the stock market. I mean, anybody can get into it. Um, some people are wolves in sheep's clothing, some people are amazing people, you know, your life is forever enriched by running into them. So, going back a couple years, um, there was a guy within our circle in San Diego, he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I caught caught up. He was pursuing me forever to do a deal with him. Like, hey, why not? What's the harm in doing a joint venture? We've got a lot of the same friends in the same circle. The sh- the short story is, he he got me involved in a deal. He suckered me into it, and it was all a scam. It was all what it seemed it was. It none of it was what it none of it was reality, um, and it was a year and a half worth of just pain and torture and, and ultimately lost $187,000 on that one transaction. And that that, if that's not a punch right in the gut, when you're, you're on fire, your trajectory is just taken off um, to get blindsided when you're not expecting it. It's just a lesson that I learned to be very careful who you trust yeah. Um, there's so many good people out there. Honestly, I just, I got unlucky is the reality. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So it, it's good. Like, um, that's a tremendous advice. It really is, especially in real estate. Like you really do need to, uh, choose your, not friends wisely, but, uh, business partnerships are yeah. like, you're jumping into bed with somebody pretty much. So, yeah. so just, you don't need to be like, a a naysayer and like think the negative things, but, um, highly, you know, just verify, verify that what they're saying is true (laughs) and do your own due diligence at the end of the day until you get that relationship built up so strong that, you know, that you guys have each other's back no matter what.
0: And that's what it's about. And, and that's, I only bring that up is because I see so many new people, they're hungry, they're excited and they just jump into deals without, knowing how to do the numbers right and they they just think it's easy to join venture with someone because this person has the money this person has the deal we're both new let's join venture Um, now they could both be great people most of the people I know that do it are and they usually do okay even if their numbers weren't great they still got to figure it out but you got to be careful with some people out there uh, because they will take advantage of the new people, so I I just say that be careful and make sure you validate that that person is who they who they say they are. Yeah, that's um, very good. Yeah. So after that life lesson yeah. and learning lesson, yes. uh, continue to grow, uh, continue to um, build the team. You know, all all that's taking place after is building the team, putting the systems in place. Where where we've gone now, Brandon is. We have, um, I personally have, I have two kids now, a two and a half year old and a newborn who's yeah. a month old. And so oh, really
1: just a month old. I didn't
0: know just that. A month old dude. Oh, yeah. Man.
1: Congratulations, brother.
0: Congratulations. Very yeah, yeah. So my, my, uh, my willingness to work and desire and hunger and yeah. fire in me, it's still there. I still want to drive hard. I want to work until 12 at night. I want to do all that, but I have these competing, uh, um, you know, loves in my life that I want to spend time with my wife and my kids. You know, I married my high school sweetheart. So we've, we've got this, uh, this journey of life together. And now, now I'm shifting towards trying to build a systems, a team, and have more passive income. So I've been building my rental portfolio, Uh, We've got 14 uh, houses as of last year. We started as of last year. We bought 14 rentals. Um, uh, There's 23 doors out of those 14 rentals. Uh, Starting to grow that as much as we can. Um, And then uh, I'm also just trying to perfect the systems, continue to find rich relationships. Uh, There's a guy here in San Diego, Tony Javier. A uh, brilliant guy who's has a very successful business. We're talking about working on a mastermind together yeah. and bringing value to people starting out or experienced, and the power behind masterminds. He's got stories behind uh, how it's changed his his trajectory and his success. Um, so excited to, to venture into things like that, build passive income, you know, continue to build the systems out, and just hang out at the beach and go, you know, surfing with my boys and yes. swimming around and, uh, doing all those type of things that we love.
1: Very cool. I love it, man. You're definitely somebody that I, uh, I definitely resonate a lot with and have tremendous respect for you, brother. Um, Thanks, man. you know, you're definitely crushing it. I love where your mind's at, where your mindset and, and, uh, where you're going, you're definitely doing big things. And, you know, from where, the, the struggles that you've been a part of and uh, things that might have held you back in the past you've definitely overcome them so very excited to see had no choice yeah exactly
0: yeah that's well, we that's all the we all have choices
1: but you didn't get well, yeah that's yeah.
0: true I could have I could have sat in a corner and cried for both in both of those situations because they both were really tough yeah you know I was telling you earlier you know going to bed where my heart's just pounding yep. and just scared about life and where things are going but you got choices in life and you you can overcome them or you can let it affect you. And so, um, you know, for me, it's all about finding new relationships right now. Um, increasing the quality of life with my family, uh, continuing to build a business, you know, uh, we're always building relationships with new private lenders to help us scale our business. So if you're looking to get started, invested in real estate. You have some money you want to put into it, but you're not sure where to start. You want to start earning money. You could always call us, you know, you could get started with us. There's a lot of investors here in San Diego or the central Valley or friends that I have that are doing that now. Um, so that's one opportunity to kind of just, uh, let your money work for you and get high returns. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I love it,
1: man. So how can people reach out to you?
0: Yeah. So people can reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, Dean Rogers, reach out to me on Facebook. Um, you could also reach me in my email Dean at home helpers group.com. Um, let's see. What's another good way. Uh, what kind of ways do you like people to reach out to you, Brandon?
1: Uh, just so people can reach out to me, uh, through social media, just any, uh, any platform on social media, you'll be able to find me, Brandon Elliott investments. Um, you can check me out on com as well, but, uh, a lot of people reach out to me on social media. So,
0: okay, cool. Yeah. Same, same for us. Facebook. Uh, you could email me. Um, I love to talk to new people getting started. Yeah. It will help each other out and grow together. Um, you know, if, private investors who are looking to get started. I love new relationships there because it just opens so many doors for both of us. And then, you know, mean with people like you, man, I mean, just being able to drop value. I love what you're doing and uh, you're getting some some rock stars on here. But, oh, here's, here's one point I wanted to make before we go is no matter who you are, whether just getting started or experience, you know, we may be doing a lot of deals, we're doing good, but we're still trying to figure stuff out too. Like oh, of course. it's important to know that you, when you look at someone who's where you want to be, uh, don't think that it's impossible. They're, they're just a rock star. They know what they're doing. I I'm constantly adjusting and trying to figure things out too. Right. And other people that I know are transparent about that as well. Um, so there's always something to learn. There's always something to grow in and, and do better at. And that's that's what I'm constantly working on myself. So yeah. uh, whether you're new or experienced, there's always something we can learn from each other.
1: That's right. That's so true. Man, I love your transparency. It's very awesome. So thank you so much for your time, brother. I mean, it means the world to me. I know time is our biggest asset. and yep. uh, And I appreciate you giving up yours just to be able to pour in some value to all the listeners out there. Appreciate you
0: thanks man hey it's been fun and uh, we got some good stuff on here so I look forward to coming on uh, again some other time and uh, diving into some more details
1: yeah well thanks Dean appreciate you brother All right, guys you've heard it from the man himself Uh, thank you guys all so much for tuning in if you could do me a favor and uh, jump on to the podcast ready set go real estate investing podcast leave a review make sure you're subscribed and uh, if you do that, then send me a screenshot anywhere on social media and I will send you out my book, Action Driven, and uh, this will just help you guys implement strategies that I do on a daily basis to make sure that I'm building momentum and I'm uh, staying a man or uh, a woman of your word uh, to, to be able to you know, hit your goals and keep moving forward. So, um, so do me that favor, leave a review and subscribe, and then I will take care of you guys. But, um, yeah, Dean, you're the man. Appreciate you,
0: brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Talk All right. to you later. All right.
1: This has been another episode of Ready,
0: Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.